This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey. We are so excited that you are here with us today. We want to say a special welcome to those of uh, you who are new with us today. If you take a moment and uh, fill out a Connect card that is in the seat back in front of you, that goes for those who are new. But those of us who have been here many times before, the Connect card is this incredible, uh, important piece of paper for us. It lets us know that you're here, but also you can tell us about prayer requests, decisions you've made, other things maybe you want us to know. Maybe you want to volunteer somewhere, do something. Uh, the, gr- the best place to do that is the back of that Connect card. Uh, so as you grab that, um, our prayer is that we have one of those from every family here. You can then take that card and uh, put it in the offering bags as they go by at the end of our gathering today. Um, before we go any further, though, today, uh, this was a special weekend here at Journey Church. Some exciting things happened. Uh, Reach Out Lakota, our, our local uh organization that helps with uh, needs like food and clothing, uh, and we have a very special partnership with, uh, hosted, or we hosted uh, their Christmas drive. You guys have been, been, been bringing Christmas gifts in for weeks now, uh, and the gym was just overflowing with presents. There were people all over the place, and we want to just take a moment and celebrate that, and Sharon McGuire, who's been involved with that, and uh, Judy is going to share a little bit as well. Uh, just about their experience uh, yesterday. I'll have Judy share her experience as a a volunteer first. Well, I've been volunteering with Reach Out for many, many years when this was Hopewell. And um, it, it always does my heart good to see how much the church steps up, how much the community steps up and helps these families when they're just, you know, just need that little push up. And I think, I mean, to me, just, I get overwhelmed every year when I walk into that gym and see the bikes, the toys, just everything and anything you can imagine is in that gym. And the people, I mean, they're just, you know, Reach Out does a great job. And I'm really glad that I get a chance to take a small part in volunteering and helping them. Just statistically this year, we had 786 children that had been uh, pre-registered with our program. Now these children all live in the Lakota School District. Uh, Their parents are vetted and uh, verified information that they do live in the community. And then we have people, of course, that take the tags like you took some um, and purchase gifts for those children and bring them back in. And and then obviously the families get to go shop in the gym for those gifts for their children. So it gives them on-hand experience uh, to be able to do that. So again, this was uh, the highest number we've had in the last few years. We've been running about maybe 650 or somewhere in that range, 650 to seven. So we had 786 this year. So a little bit more than we've had the last few years, but it was great. We had plenty for everyone and uh, they were able to have a personal shopper this year go with them into the gym and, and hold their items for them as they shopped. 
and uh, got their gifts for their children. So again, we appreciate everything that that Journey does. Um, we started here organizing a Reach Out Lakota at this building, and now it's come to full circle around again that we actually are able to host a Christmas program each year. Uh, for quite a few years, we've been doing this here again. Last year, we had the flood, so they ended up moving in the sanctuary, and it worked. It wasn't quite ideal, but it worked, and now we were able to go back into the, to the gym this year, which a little bit more room back there, and uh, have the program back there. And uh, as they wait to uh, go in their designated times to shop in the gym, uh, they usually sit in the cafe area and, and have coffee, cookies, whatever. And then some of the kids yesterday wrote some thank you cards to us. So when you go back uh, to have the lunch after church today, uh, you'll see on the tables back there in the cafe, there's some cards that some of the kids wrote yesterday. So hope you'll take time to, to look at those. And uh, uh, they appreciate the service that we provide for them in the community. And this church providing the space to be able to do that, as Reach Out does too. We had about 35 volunteers working here yesterday. And then there's another church that hosts the, the food pickup. So ours is just for the toy only, which is the most fun part, of course. So uh, we, get, we get that part of it. So thank you all very much for participating, for helping out with Reach Out, and uh, we can't thank you enough for all this church means to our organization, too. Thank you. All right. Wow. 786 kids in our community uh, got some presents this year that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise because of not only your gifts of giving uh, um, presents and, and being a part of that overall number, but because we open our building with generosity. I can't tell you so many people have come up to me and said, thank you so much for uh, not just opening up your building, but the way that you do it. Uh, we give them uh, full access for more than a week. Uh, we let them use anything that we have. Uh, we say is yours. If it's the music and sound system, uh, hosting people in the cafe. And so reach out code is really, truly uh, appreciative of the way that Journey Church partners with them. And so we want to make sure we celebrate that. That is making a big impact in our community, and we are a big part of it. So I want to say thank you to you all for allowing us to do that. With all of that shared, let me just pause here and pray for us, and we'll jump into our talk today. God, we are so thankful for the blessing that it is to partner with you and to see incredible work done in our community. That happened this weekend. God, my prayer is that happens today in our hearts and our lives. As we hear your word, God, that we partner with you and you do big things in us. In your name we pray, amen. Well, as you can tell from the decorations on the stage, from uh, the coldness of the weather outside, from the craziness of the stores, I was out there a little bit yesterday and it was crazy. Uh, it's Christmas time. It's that season of the year again. And what that means uh, for so many people is traditions and, and wonderful kind of experiences we have with family and friends and maybe coworkers. And what it means here at Journey is we get to focus in. We get to focus in on what is really, truly important, on what, is, what Christmas is all about. We get to focus in on the birth of our Lord and Savior, the birth of Jesus. 
This year, uh, our Christmas series is from the first chapter of the book of John. That's kind of where we're spending most of our time. We started there last week. And one of the things, if you take even just kind of a cursory, just an overview of that one chapter of the Bible, one of the things that will undoubtedly jump out at you is that John loves to talk about light and darkness. Light and darkness and kind of the contrast there. That's, that's a picture he wants to put in your mind, in my mind, especially as we think of Jesus coming into this world. Because what John is saying is that Jesus is the light coming into our dark world. That's a beautiful picture of what Christmas truly is. The light of God coming into our dark world. Our series this uh, December, this month, is The Light Has Come. The Light Has Come. And it's coming from that idea in John. The light of the world bringing us salvation. That's what Christmas is about. The series is, is picking up the challenge we find in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, that says this, For once you were full of darkness, but now, now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. That's the challenge of Christmas. That's the challenge that is before us today. That's the challenge I hope you pick up. That's the challenge I plan to pick up, to live as someone of the light. Some of the darkest times uh, that any of us face is a time of rejection. Uh, rejection from maybe it's a, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a broken relationship, a rejection from a school, from a business dealing, or the rejection of losing a job. The list could go on and on and on. One of the things we see, one of the same things that we see in today's reading is that Jesus faced rejection. Jesus faced Rejection from the very people he created, from the very people he came to save. And yet that rejection didn't stop him. That rejection didn't hold him back. In fact, Jesus faced rejection so that we could find acceptance with God. That's the big idea of the talk today. Jesus faced rejection so we could find acceptance with God. Rejection might seem like a funny thing to talk about during Christmas, but it's part of the Christmas story. It's there. It's part of the darkness of our world. The Gospel of John points to it, names it. And it talks about Jesus and I came to earth and how many rejected him. John chapter 1, verses 9 through uh, 13 this morning. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. If you're reading along uh, in a Bible or the verses will be on the screen behind me. The one who is the true light 
Jesus, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they were reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. If we look at verses 10 and 11 there, we see how John points out the heightened pain of rejection. He came into the very place, the very world he created We talked about that last week. That was a theme, especially in the first couple of verses there in John chapter 1. But the world didn't see him. They didn't recognize him. It made no impact, no difference to them. He came to his own people, people who should have known him. And even they rejected him. Here's something we know to be true. The more that we love someone, the the more invested we are in a relationship, the deeper the pain of rejection. The deeper the pain of rejection we feel. Pastor Tim Keller illustrates uh, this, uh, this idea this way. He says this, if after a service... Some Sunday morning, one of my members comes to me and says, you know what, I don't like you, I never really want to talk to you or see you again. He says, I feel pretty bad. He says, bud, but if today my wife comes up to me and says, I never want to see you, I never want to talk to you again, he says, that's a lot worse. It's a lot worse. The longer the love, the deeper the love, the greater the torment of the loss, the deeper the pain of rejection. John, our gospel writer, points out this heightened pain of rejection for Jesus when he, when he says the very people he created, the very people he created, the very people he came to save said no to him. They rejected him. The Bible tells us that uh, a pregnant Mary and Joseph had to return to Joseph's hometown. They had to go to his hometown to be uh, uh, counted for the census. So they had to go to Bethlehem. A difficult journey made even harder by a young girl who is pregnant and very pregnant. Finally, they get to this small little village and each door, each extra room is taken. The innkeeper, perhaps even Joseph's own family, couldn't be bothered to make room for them. So they were rejected turned her way to a stable 
Not the cute manger that we buy at the store that looks kind of all put together and the, uh, the uh, cows and the um, ducks are all looking happy, but a stinky, dirty barn. Kind of place that certainly wasn't meant to indicate honor and respect. That wasn't what the, what the uh, story was kind of pulling out there. Not honor and respect, but shame and rejection. Shame and rejection. 700 years before Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem, before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah, who was in his own dark time, prophet Isaiah had this to say about a coming Messiah and what he would face. He's talking about Jesus. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquitted with deepest grief. Acquainted. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed by our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and a sheep, and as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal and he was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him, cause him grief. And yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants and he will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. With Amazing detail. 
The prophet Isaiah depicts the greatest rejection of Jesus, his crucifixion, 700 years before it happens. We learn from both these texts, from both these verses that at the start of Jesus' life, at the end of his life, and in between, he often faced rejection. He faced rejection so we could find acceptance. So we could find acceptance with God. In the dark and even desperate times in Jesus' day, in ours, the darkness, the callousness of humanity shows What shows even greater, what shines even brighter is the goodness and the grace that Jesus bestowed on us when we did nothing to deserve it. At the beginning of Jesus' story, at the end of his story, and in the middle, people pushed him away. They pushed him away. People rejected him because of their own preoccupations, because of their own busyness, because it seemed too good to be true, because they knew the darkness and they didn't know what the light was like. Those who pushed him away in Bethlehem, those who pushed him away in Jerusalem, in Ohio today, they miss out on the light he brings. On the light he brings, which is John's point in this chapter. They miss out on the change he makes on our hearts and our lives. They miss out on the salvation he brings to our souls. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. This time of year, it's so easy to be an innkeeper. It's so easy to say there's no room. Too full. My my schedule, my life is too busy. Maybe tomorrow. And so we reject. We say there's no room. We say there's no room to, to Jesus. We say there's no room to others. It's easy to say there's no room in my schedule for those in need. It's easy to say there's no room in my day to visit someone who's lonely. It's easy to say there's no room in my home for that family member, for that friend who I haven't forgiven yet. It's easy to say there's no room in my heart for God. And when we play the part of an innkeeper and we say that there is no room, we miss out. We miss out on the blessings. We miss out on God. We miss out on sharing his love. We're going to not be innkeepers this Christmas. And we have to be followers of Jesus who have this one distinctive about ourselves 
We are the people who say yes to God. We are the people who say yes to him. Saying yes to God requires several things. I got three for us today if you're taking notes. Three ways to uh, uh, improve our ability to listen to God because it's an important skill that you and I need. We need, to, uh, we need to listen to him. We need to say yes to him. I'm sorry. And so the first is this. If we're going to say yes to God, we need to learn to listen. Learn to listen to him. That means we got to push away all the other kind of uh, things that kind of uh, uh, take our, our attention away from him. We've got to find time to, to carefully, to intentionally listen for God. To listen for him, to listen for his voice. We have to have times in our schedule, in our day, where we say, you know what, the top priority right now is me listening for God. We've got to be people. We've got to be the kind of people who evaluate our day. Not just on, did I get the kind of things that I wanted done, done? Did I get through my to-do list? Did I make my boss happy? Did I do this? Did I do that? But did I listen for God today? When I think about the interactions that I had with different people in my life, different people in my day, did I express to them, did I express to them God's love and grace in the ways that I spoke with them? Were there opportunities right before me that now that I see, I can see how God kind of opened doors, but I said no, too busy. We have to learn to listen. We have to learn to listen first before we can say yes. And listening not just to the big things, but to the whispers. To the whispers of God. The whispers of God calling us forward to trust, calling us forward in So the first thing we have to do when we're working on saying yes to God is we have to learn to listen. Then we have to let Jesus' yes motivate our yes. Jesus' yes motivate our yes. The story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is the story of Jesus saying yes. Yes, I'll travel from, uh, from heaven to earth for you. Yes, I'll face rejection for you. Yes, I will carry your sins on the cross. Yes, you are worth it. When we see Jesus, yes, it should, it should make us thankful. It should make us wonder. And we need to take that, that thankfulness and that wonder and we need to let that Motivate our yes. The third thing that we need to do is simply to practice saying yes. Practice saying yes. We've got to keep in mind that every significant thing that happened in the Bible started with someone saying yes to God. 
Someone saying yes when they didn't really know what that meant. Someone saying, yes, you know what? God, your plans, they are better than my plans. They are greater than my plans. So I'm going to say yes to you. Some today maybe being called to some big yes. If that's you, I say don't run from it. But for many of us, the yes that God is uh, uh, putting before us might be rather small. Yes, God, I'll be more open to you moving and working, not just kind of on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, God, but at my job, in my home, with my friends. Maybe it's a, yes, God, I'll forgive that person even though they really hurt me. Maybe it's, yes, God, I'll look for an opportunity uh, of this Christmas, this season, to have that conversation, that spiritual conversation with a, a family member, a friend. That I know you have been putting on my heart, but I've just been pushing it away for so long. This is the year. This is the season. This is the time I'm going to have that spiritual conversation with them because I know you're calling me to that. I don't know what God is asking of you. But I'm convinced of two things. Two things. Here they are. Number one, God is always standing before us. He's always standing before us, calling us forward, calling us further into faith. He's calling us to take another step. That's not something that we mature beyond. God doesn't say, hey, you know what? They've finally arrived. They've gotten there. This is as far as I wanted to take their faith in their life. That's the perfect picture I had for them. God's always got this idea. God's always got this uh, next step for us to take. And when we don't hear him, it's not because he's not calling. It's because we stopped listening. The second thing is when we do hear him, our answer should always be yes. Our answer should always be yes. And here's why it should always be yes. Because yes is contagious. And it's contagious in the best possible way. We say yes to God, even in the small things, it makes saying yes to him the next time that much easier. That's my prayer for you today. That you determine in your heart, you determine in your heart this morning to say yes to God, to say yes to God in some new way this week. That you walk out of this place with your hearts more open to his leading. That you and I in this whole place are the kind of people whose lives are marked by saying yes to God. Not only because that's the way he wants us to live, but because God loves to use people who say yes to him. Let's pray about that today. God, your story 
your story of coming into this world is a story of saying yes. It's you saying yes. I'll go from heaven to earth. You saying yes, I'll face rejection. You saying yes, I will put myself in their place and, and save these people when they don't deserve it. It's the story of Mary. When confronted by an angel, saying, yes, God, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm saying yes to you because I know that is always the right answer. This morning, God, there are people in this place who you are standing before and you're whispering not doing a very good job at listening. You're calling us forward and we're saying there's no room in the inn. We're saying the schedule's too full. Uh, there's too many things going on. Maybe later. And all you want to hear from us is Yes. God, my prayer today is that I say yes. My prayer is that everybody who hears these words today say yes to you. And that that becomes contagious in our life. Those yeses start to snowball and they grow more and more and more until one day we're saying yes to things we can't believe we're saying yes to. God, the biggest yes we can say is the yes to I want you in my heart and in my life. And if there's someone here today who has not prayed that prayer, who has not said that yes, God, that has said that my life has been headed in the wrong direction, I have sinned and I have broken relationships and I see it and I don't want it anymore, I want you. You tell us in your word that what we have to do is say yes to you come in and you fill us. Let that happen here this morning. Let us be people who say yes. Yes.